Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd and my co-host, Canucks insider Thomas Drantz, who also covers the team for The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Game day edition of the show here. Home game day edition. Canucks at Rogers Arena uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, what's going on, Dredzer? Doing well. Doing well, bud. Excited for tonight. Canucks yeah. return home. You can sense a buzz. People excited to watch this team play again it's been a while mm-hmm. it's been a long time since this game it has home I think game. 19 days yeah. i saw the uh the canucks twitter account post yeah so you can tell that there's some pent-up excitement to well, watch this team play especially a, a fun game where there's like steam like plus money on the under like these are two high scoring teams who just played a relatively exciting game uh there's a gritty to avenge. I mean, lots going on tonight. I was going to say, it's not every day you welcome, uh, you know, the greatest villain in NHL history to town, Jake Wallman. <laughs> <laughs> the most villainous act we've ever witnessed doing the gritty after scoring the overtime goal. Uh, we'll talk about that, but lots to get into let's not. Uh, today. So uh, let's get right into the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? It is the whiteboard, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks today, February 15th. Uh, and yes, the Canucks host the Detroit Red Wings. Quick turnaround rematch uh, from Saturday's game, which the Canucks drop in overtime in Detroit. Yes, it's the Jake Wallman gritty revenge game. But uh, also, you know, Rick Tockett spoke after the game in Chicago about looking forward to getting home and used the word re-energize. It's a chance to get everyone re-energized. Maybe just a few warning signs here and there on the road trip, despite going 3-1-1. One, and one. Uh, Now, hopefully, you can use these two home games before you're back out for a quick uh, free game set on the road to get some of that energy back. Uh, per Rick Talk. And also Elias Lindholm's home debut today after playing for his first five games on the road. So, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is, as you mentioned, is just that the the home fans haven't had a chance to watch this team in quite some time after the All-Star break and the road trip. And uh, they're still first place in the NHL. So always exciting when that happens. Well, and look, you know, there's some things that are reliably exciting. Winning games. Well, Canucks have won three of their last five. Mm-hmm. Um, having All-Stars. Canucks fans haven't seen six Canucks All-Stars since they appeared at the All-Star game in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Making a big trade. Canucks fans haven't had a chance to shell out for tickets since the Canucks took one of the biggest pieces likely to move ahead of the trade deadline off the board in the acquisition of Elias Lindholm. I mean, it's been too long, but it won't be too much longer as the Canucks faithful welcome back this team this evening. Indeed. Um do we want to do Joshua in the headlines, or do we want to save it for? Yeah, let's do. Uh, let's do broadsheet quick. Okay, because well, we'll, really the lineup is going to take on the uh, the the bulk of the whiteboard yeah. here. But quickly on that's what's great about the whiteboard. It's so flexible. It's so flexible. <laughs> I love it. Really. Um, <laughs> shout out to whoever came up with this idea. Calm down. Um, <laughs> on the broadsheet, just a couple things to pass along here. First of all, Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show today talking about Phil Kessel. And basically, I'll just paraphrase, paraphrase, and this isn't necessarily a big surprise with Phil Kessel in Abbotsford working out with the Abbotsford Canucks, but uh, Freeman basically saying his impression is that unless something goes really, really wrong, but 
you know, with Phil Kessel working out or skating or between him and the Canucks, he is going to sign with the Canucks. And he says things would really have to go sideways not to sign until I hear Vancouver is really unhappy. I think this marriage is going to happen at some point. That's from Elliot Friedman. And you, you, you don't think that's a surprise? Not really. You thought he wanted to check out Castle Fun Park? <laughs> yes. He's been like, on his bucket list? You know what? I've never been to Abbotsford. Let's go see what's out there. I hear the go-karts are great. Going to bring my hockey gear just in case. <laughs> yeah, I think once you report to Abbotsford to skate with an AHL team, uh, you're relatively far down the road to actually getting a look. Yeah, Although- so I think the, the more interesting thing at this point is just how... How slow play does this process? How long does it take to play out here b- between Phil Kessel and the Canucks? Yeah, and I mean, we do have a deadline, right? Can't la- can't take mm-hmm. longer than three weeks or he wouldn't be eligible. Like, he mm-hmm. has to be on the NHL roster um, in order to be eligible to compete in the playoffs. So that's March 8th. Has to be done before that. So we know it's, a you know, no longer than that. Is there a PTO stage involved? Does he play games in the American League? I mean, that's sort of what I'm most interested in here. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Rick Tockett, by the way, finally asked about it by Vancouver Media. He's going to have to go down to Abbotsford, Rick Tockett said, per Brendan Batchelor, uh, for a while and see where he's at. He's been out for about 10 months. He's got a great pedigree. It's just a look. We'll see what transpires. Yes, we will. Yeah. So again, some evidence of slow playing it from uh, Rick Tockett there in that answer, too. And we'll hear from uh, fully from uh, Rick Tockett. A little later on in the show, do we want to talk about? Should we mention big GM change around yeah, the league you know in the broadsheet? Yarmo Kekalainen fired as Columbus Blue Jackets general manager. General manager firings are like Haley's Comet. We don't see it very often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do think it's worth just dwelling on briefly. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen had been the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets for well over a decade. Yep. Uh, his firing comes in the wake of sort of two really tough off seasons. Good Branson, good Drow, and, and trading Bjorkstrand. That's tough. Um, and then obviously the Mike Babcock hire, the the Severson contract, mm-hmm. the Provorov trade. Um, tough, tough stuff for the Columbus Blue Jackets, specifically that Babcock hire, which I think you could argue is it the worst? It's got to be the worst hire in head coach hire in NHL history. I can't think of like completely submarine their season without even coaching a game. <laughs> blew up their season. Didn't even make their training camp, and yet somehow blew up their season. So Kekalainen's out. I, I wonder. I wonder though, like because he got terminated for cause, right? Oh, and they're, so they're not paying him. Is that better than John Tortorella having like a five year contract with the Canucks? As no, one of the highest paid coaches in the league at it, the time. It's it's not better. No, because. John Tortorella was a reasonable hire. Didn't work out. I don't know. No, 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 no. But he's gone on to have like success and continue coaching in the NHL. He tried, he tried to fight a guy. <laughs> I don't know. But at the time it was made, it was a reasonable hire. Eh. It was. It was he's weird. Still work, he's still a working coach. He's a good coach. That's but it was thing, a weird I mean. fit from day Babcock one. Babcock was ridiculous the day it happened. That's true. Okay. Now, and nobody could have nobody could have predicted right. it would the blow up The argument is purely quickly. financial. Yes. Would you rather pay a, a coach that didn't work out and tried to fight a guy $10 million? <laughs> would I rather- would rather have the Tortorella experience. Okay, a hundred percent. Yeah, at least at least you got uh, seventy seven games out of him, plus five out of Mike Sullivan. Yeah, Mike Sullivan might like rank in the top <laughs> short list of greatest all time Canucks coaches. Um, all right, the, so the Babcock thing was just pure pure ridiculous. Really quickly though, because the reason I wanted to include this in the broadsheet, Blue Jackets do have a lot of interesting decisions coming up here. Right there, there's a lot of RFAs. 
uh, expiring beyond this season. You know, r- some really good players too, like Kirill Merchenko, Kent Johnson, yep. Cole, Sillinger. Uh, Cole Sillinger, but also like Alexander Tessier is like actually really interesting. Good, fast, gritty uh, winger, um, some versatility there. Uh, so. You know, they've got some decisions here. This Provorov thing hasn't worked out. Could he be available at a cut rate price? You know, the Blue Jackets are one of those classic teams where they're not competing for anything, but they could potentially build a Stanley Cup contender mm. depending on what they decide to do. And and what they're going to do is now very much in flux given that their key decision maker has been replaced. Uh, just, just a situation to monitor in the event that they... You know, and it seems unlikely, but in the event that they dramatically decide to change course or make a key decision or two uh, in the wake of, you know, clearly them doing like an existential thought exercise about where they want to go and deciding to move on without Yarmo, um, just something to monitor, especially for an aggressive buyer team like the Vancouver Canucks. If there's an opportunity out there, I think yep. we know Alvin and Rutherford will at least be like sniffing it out. And if this changes the calculus in Columbus, although I will say John Davidson, who's the president there, is still there which is baffling for now for now. And he's going to step in as general manager. So I don't know, like to me, it could almost signal a more conservative approach. You know what I mean? It could, it could signal what you're talking about as well. Like, Hey, we're willing to sell off here, but but it could also signal like, no, 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 no. We're going to stick to our plan, which that's worked out great so far. But I mean, even, even their like defensemen guys like peak Bockfist, Jake bean, Mm -hmm. who can play the left and the right side. Like, you know, there's a lot of, and and uh, I'm pretty sure Rutherford was involved in drafting Jake Bean. Like, there's all sorts of just weird decisions that this team's going to have to weigh here. Uh, just an interesting one. Yeah. An interesting no, one to look, monitor and worth bringing up. Whenever you get a change in management like this, this close to a deadline, it definitely raises the question of what that team is going to do. And as you said, with a, an aggressive front office here in Vancouver, uh, that's always worth monitoring when it crops up around the league. Uh, all right, let's go to the lineup notes. And the big one, you've probably see, seen it on social media already, but Dakota Joshua was absent from morning skate today. He will not play tonight due to an upper body injury. Talkett saying that he's being evaluated or he was being evaluated earlier when Talkett spoke uh, and Talkett also saying he thought it might have been related to the fight for Dakota Joshua in Chicago. So Ilya Mikheyev moves up and takes Joshua's spot on the third line. The forward lineup remains the same. I should also mention Nikita Zadorov uh, draws back in to the defense core after his suspension is served. Uh, Mark Friedman comes out. So look, we have spent a lot of time really all season, but especially over the last week or so, talking about how vital that third line has been to the Canucks' success. And, you know, I even heard you on Halford and Bruff uh, this morning. They asked, like, where would this team be without the third line? And it's a totally fair question, uh, given how valuable they've been. Now there's a big test and opportunity, one, for Ilya Mikheyev. Mm -hmm. But I would also say it's a big opportunity for Connor Garland, and to a lesser extent, Teddy Bluger, but both of those guys to show that they can carry the mail even without Dakota Joshua, right? And I think Garland, you and I would both agree, like he is the key offensive driver. There's chemistry things going on with Joshua and uh, and Bluger, but I think for Garland, this is a big chance for him to show, like, I actually don't, I don't need two specific line mates. I can run this line on my own, no matter who you put there. Well, and I see my athletic colleague, Rick Dollywall. Oh, why did I call him that? Rick Dollywall, who we do the crossover with. Friend of the show? Uh-huh frenemy of the show whatever rick dolly um suggesting that it maybe came as a result of the fight where dakota joshua jumped in for garland 
in Chicago. Um, and that's, to me, really the value. Because you said, you know, Garland's driving the offense on that line. Garland's driving the defense on that line. You know, like Garland's mm. just driving. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think this line's fastball should remain intact with Mikheyev subbing in for Dakota Joshua. What I do think you lose is that edge. The, 100%. Like the, the physical side that Joshua brings, the you know penchant for those you know goals from really in tight where players take a lot of punishment, and in Joshua's case, you can withstand that punishment. All that said, I still expect this line to control play. I, I think if you throw Garland into a bottom six role, you're going to get really good outcomes. Not to take anything away from Joshua, who's been a key driver in, in that line, like being at the level of one of the best mm-hmm. uh, five-on-five lines in the league, but I do still think you're going to get good results from this lo- line, whether or not you get the sorts of results they've managed to this point in the season. That That's sort of the question. Yeah, I think the question is, I, I agree. I don't think it's all going to fall apart and the process is going to, you know, the bottom is going to drop out of the process here when you make the one switch. I think the question is how big, if at all, is the drop-off? Does it exist? But also, like, for, for Ilya Mikheyev, this is a chance to get the monkey off your back. You know what I mean? Get some positive momentum. Like you get to step into this spot where another player has been very, very effective. Can you replicate that? And can you use that to, even if you don't like hold down that spot, once Joshua is back, at least give yourself some, uh, some positive momentum and kind of earn more ice time somewhere else in the lineup. Well, too. And, and one thing I'd suggest to you too, is Joshua's really improved. I think as a as a two way player overall, mm-hmm. I, you can see it on the penalty kill. Like I think his defensive awareness has spiked. But Ilya Mikheyev is a really good defensive player. Like mm-hmm. I, I, this is not this is not by any means criticism of Joshua to point out that you know on true talent based on their track records, Mikheyev's a, a, a you know a, p- potentially a defensive upgrade to a line that could be just as effective, but maybe in a different way. Like, what if Mikheyev can't replace necessarily the offense that this line's been shockingly generating with Bluger and, and Garland yep. and Joshua? Um, you know, that that Sedin-like chemistry that we were joking about, or at least uh, Raymond Chepeau was jo- joking about uh, on Twitter the other day, we talked about yesterday. But what if he can help this line be just as good, if not better, than it has been defensively? Still a tremendous amount of value in that. Uh, if it works. Yeah, and I'll say the other thing. Now, there's a couple other layers to this. I mean, one, you know, as you point out, there's just a uniqueness to Dakota Joshua with his physical profile, the edge. I mean, the reason he's out is because he was fighting uh, at the end of that Chicago game to stick up for Connor Garland. So you lose that. And Mikheyev, it's not, that's not his game. He's not going to replace that. The other thing that some people are texting in, of course, is uh, Joshua's importance on the penalty kill, which is absolutely another layer to this. And yep. I mean, Joshua, like, we're going through all these things. Joshua's just become a really important piece for this team with all of the different things he brings, not least of which is on the penalty kill. Well, and, you know, again, this line hasn't been the third line. It's been, you know, second line usage over the last segment of the season. Uh, And it's not that this team's or that it's not that this line's been their third best line. It's been their best line five on five. So, you know, you think in your mind's eye, like losing Dakota Joshua shouldn't stop this team's momentum and it probably won't. But it is a bigger loss than like bottom six winger out of the lineup. There's a lot of it's, unique things that Josh and it's does. a much bigger loss than I think anyone would have believed if you were telling us this, you know, four months ago. Hey, Dakota Joshua is going to be out of the game. 
that it would prompt this much conversation and like totally justified analysis and questioning about what the uh, what the impact on the team is going to be because he has made himself really legitimately essential uh, to this team. So why don't we move on and uh, we can get back into this in a follow-up right. follow segment. Let's do it. Um, on to the uh, the playoff forecast here. Uh, no changes to the Canucks division chances. Still sitting at seventy four percent. No real relevant uh, games on the uh, on the scoreboard. In fact, no Pacific Division teams in action yesterday. So the only thing you'd be really paying attention to is the Jets. No surprise here. Uh, take care of the Sharks. Only one nothing, but they had a massive differential on the uh, on the shot clock. So that affects the Canucks Western Conference chances, but uh, no division change. Gambling odds. Just want to point out that Quinn Hughes is now minus two hundred to win the Norris, and you can get plus money on Kale McCarr. It's the Quinn Hughes show. <laughs> All right, that is the whiteboard for today, February 15th. We'll take a quick break. Sean Gentilly from The Athletic will join us on the other side here on Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650.